Chapter Twenty Five of Some Everyday Folk and Dawn by Miles Franklin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Love's Young Dream. Next morning was gloriously spring-like. The violets raised their heads in thick mats of blue and white in every available cranny of the garden and other enclosures where they were allowed to assert themselves, while other plants were opening their garlands to replace them and the air breathed such a note of balminess that Ernest came to invite me to a boat-ride. To the practised eye there were certain indications that he hoped for Dawn's company too, but this was out of the question, as under ordinary circumstances it is rarely that girls in Dawn's walk of life can go pleasuring in the forenoon without previous warning, or what would become of the half-cooked midday dinner so we set out by ourselves and as the boat shot out to the middle of the stream between the peach orchards just giving a hint of their coming glory and past the erstwhile naked grape canes not cut away and replaced by a vivid green the rower made a studiedly casual remark your friend miss dawn spoke to me again at last i wonder why on earth she threw that dish of water on me did she ever say that she had anything against me no if you could be a girl for half an hour you'd know that the man to whom she shows most favour is frequently the one she most despises while he whom she ignores or ill-treats is the one she most warmly regards how on earth is that oh a species of shyness like your own which makes you talk freely of dawn and ada grosvenor because you have no particular interest in them whereas there is some name you guard jealously from me I cunningly replied. Is it true that Miss Dawn is engaged to Eward? If she is, let me know in time to send her a wedding present. I'd like to, because she's your friend. He said with such elaborate unconcern that I had difficulty in suppressing a smile. His stepbrother, the dilettante, would never have been so clumsily transparent in a similar case. Nonsense! She's as much engaged to you as to him, I said reassuringly and that was all that passed between us on that subject. He energetically confined our conversation to the lovely odour from the loosened fields we were passing on the river bank, but I was not surprised that the afternoon's post brought Dawn a letter that smothered her in blushes and plunged her in a gay abstraction too complete for either Uncle Jake or Andrew to penetrate. When we were once more in our big room, commanding a view of the western mail with its cosy lights twinkling across the valley, she extended me the privilege of perusing one of the simplest and most straightforward avowals of love from a young man to a maiden it has been my delight to encounter dear miss dawn you will be very surprised at receiving such a letter from me but i hope you will not be offended i have loved you since the first day i saw you but have kept it so well to myself that no one has suspected it perhaps not even yourself will you be my wife I love you better than life, and am willing to wait any number of years up to ten, if you can only give me hope of eventually winning you. I do not expect you to care for me at once, but if you can give me hope that you do not dislike me, I shall be content to wait. You are so beautiful and good. I am afraid to ask you to marry me, but I would try hard to make you happy, and being in a position to live comfortably, you could continue any studies you like. Here followed a most business-like and lucid statement of his affairs, and the ending, Please do not keep me waiting long for a reply, and let me know if I am to interview your grandmother. I am sure I can satisfy her in regard to my position and antecedents. Yours devotedly, 
R. Ernest Breslau. He was honest, not fearing that his income might tempt a girl of Dawn's, or indeed any other station. He had in no way attempted to test her affection ere mentioning it. After the manner of his type, one of the best, he would place complete reliance where he loved, and feel sure of the same in return. "'Good heavens! Has he really all that money?' she exclaimed. "'So I believe. I'd be able to live the life I want, then, learn to sing, have lovely dresses, and travel about. I'm not thinking only of his money, but don't you think people who marry on nothing are fools and selfish? A woman who marries a man who is only able to keep her and her children in starvation is a fool.' and a man who wants a woman to suffer what wives have to and drudge in poverty is a selfish brute that's what i've always thought as for guessing about love when there's no comfort to keep it alive that's about as foundationless as we always being supposed to think men our superiors even the ones a blind idiot could see are inferior are you going to marry him i want to but what on earth am i to do with dora ewart break his heart to keep ernest's together break his heart it's the style to break isn't it he can have dora cowper or ada grosvenor they both want him if grandma got wind of the situation though she'd put my pot on properly she'd carry on like fury and let me have neither of them that would be the end of it i can't make out why i fooled with that dora at all i'll write and ask ernest to give me a week and with her characteristic promptitude she sat down and favoured a style as unadorned as that of the knight himself. "'Dear Mr. Ernest, your letter received. I care for you, but cannot give you a definite answer at once. There may be obstacles in the way of accepting your kind offer. If you will give me a week to consider matters, I will answer you definitely then. Yours with love, Dawn.' As she got into bed, she said with a happy giggle, "'He says he loved me from the first day he saw me.' and you thought he only came to see you well my dear you can't expect people whose hearts are broken from overwork and whose hair is grey from want of love to be as quick as beautiful young ladies whose affairs have come to a happy head with a splendid young knight and what i inwardly thought was that at all events i had discovered the knight's symptoms long before he had done so would you like mr ernest and me to marry she asked oh i don't object i laconically replied well i'll marry him as soon as ever he likes if i can get rid of dora i'll see dora and see if i can do it without a rumpus first but if he hasn't got sense to be quiet well i won't give in without a fight ernest mightn't like it if he knew but i bet he will have to keep dark about worse things on his part if i only knew he's different to ninety-nine per cent of the men if he hasn't she said as she opened the french lights wider to the crisp breath of scented night and blew out the lamp you don't mind his hair being red now do you i maliciously inquired in the darkness and though she feigned sleep i knew that owing to a delightful wakefulness another beside myself heard the splendid music of the trains that night the style of her breathing told that she was still awake some hours later when the old moon climbed high and came shining shining down the valley divided in two by its noble river and laid out in orchard and agricultural squares the great silver light outlined the glorious hills that walled the west away from the little towns and villages and here and there a gleaming white cluster of tombstones bespoke the graveyards where slept the early pioneers 
and the folk who had followed them, and which, one by one, as opening buds or withered stalks, were settling their last earthly score. The little homesteads lay royally, peacefully free from danger of molestation amid their wealth of trees and vines. Cottages raised on piles, and vain in the distinction of small protruding gables, pretentiously called bay windows, and with keys rusting for want of use in the cheap patent door-locks, were quickly superseding the earlier dwellings. These squat old cots generally had thresholds higher than the floors. The homemade slab floors knew no fastening, but a latch with a string unfailingly on the outside, day and night, and with their beetling verandas and tiny box skillions were crouchingly hard set upon the genial plain. End of chapter 25